Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. Today's scripture reading is taken from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9, the bronze snake. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread There is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can take a look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If there was ever a time that we felt like it was fine to rumble and complain our way through life, Surely this is one of those seasons, yes? I mean, right here in the Seattle area, beyond what's happening in the rest of the country and the world, we could legitimately complain that it was either too hot or too cold, too dry or too rainy, you know, just in the last few weeks. And of course, in this particular pocket of Western Washington, we right here could complain about either the roads aren't repaired enough or there's too much construction. Then, of course, there's the whole list of things related to the pandemic itself. We've got masks and parks closed, and even if the park is open, the playground is closed. We've got the the inconveniences of social distancing and all the economic fallout that's beginning to filter out. And then, of course, broken politics and justice far too long delayed and now additional natural disasters just to layer things on top. This picture was making the rounds of social media in the last few days from the fires in California. And again, if we were going to want to complain, we have a lot of reasons why we feel it would be perfectly justified to be grumbling right about now. If you're just joining us this morning, you are jumping in in the middle and actually toward the end of a summer 
exploring the themes of Exodus throughout all of Scripture, but especially in the story of God's people as he rescues them from the enslavement of Egypt through the wilderness experience and into the promised land, the rest, the fullness that he intends to give or at least to offer his people, if they'll take him up on it. And now, quite honestly, they are almost at the end of their journey. God's brought them through the Red Sea. He shattered the power of the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. He's showed up in power and glory at Mount Sinai and offered to his people his enduring covenant promise that he will be their God and invites them to be his people. He's provided for them manna, food literally from heaven that just shows up on the ground each day. And it's here toward the end of their journey when we find them complaining once more. In fact, immediately before our story this morning begins, God has given his people a complete and utter victory over a, a fairly formidable adversary, so a country that they would not have been expected to do as well against as they did. In fact, they, it was complete and utter annihilation of the enemy. And yet, in the very next verse, here come the people complaining to Moses, you know, back in Egypt, we had really great food. We had bread, we had great food. In other places, they complain about missing the onions. And we hate this worthless food you've given us here, meaning the manna. We had houses. Right now we're living in tents. This Moses is terrible. Back at the very, very beginning of the entire Bible story, God creates the earth good, sets humanity in it to enjoy and take care of the rest of creation. And then it's a snake that tempts those first humans to distrust God and let go of what he had given them in exchange for, well, in exchange for their autonomy and trying to do things on their own. Later on, just ahead of the Exodus, the serpent is in fact a symbol of Pharaoh's power. If you look at the crown of the Pharaoh of Egypt, there is a serpent right up on top. And so in this moment, I don't think it's at all accidental that God sends serpents. He allows these serpents to inflict harm on his people, to give his people another chance to cry out to him rather than just grumbling to Moses. Now the story is briefly told. God sends the snakes, the people in their suffering cry out to Moses, please pray to God for us. Moses does, and God provides a remedy. But notice this, God does not actually remove the snakes. God provides a remedy for the snakes. God instructs Moses to make an image of this serpent that is attacking the people. God instructs Moses to make a copper image of this particular poisonous snake that is creating so much heartache and trouble for the people. 
he makes one, puts it up on a pole, and then lifts up the pole. You get the idea that he's setting it in the ground, perhaps in some relatively higher place toward the edge of camp or indeed the middle of camp. And anyone who looks at this image will be healed of the venom that's coursing through their veins. They don't have to perform any ritual. They don't have to offer any particular sacrifice. Actually, nothing is required of these people except simply to turn to where the snake is, to look, and to live. It is, in fact, an image of utter, sheer grace in the healing. And I want to emphasize this point. All that's required is looking. If you take the trouble to accept God's word and simply turn and look, you live. On the other hand, if you nurse your grumbling mood and you don't, for whatever reason, you choose to stay in your tent or stay on the other side of camp or just not even look that direction, you, you don't. The grammar suggests that snakes continued to be an issue for uh, some amount of time in the camp. But the antidote was also with them. No one needs to die from this. Simply look and live. One other point about the snake, which may be obvious, but it's worth pointing out. The bronze serpent, though it was just an image, not a real snake, it represented the source of the danger. The image of the source of their heartache and pain and death was lifted up to be the source of their salvation. Here's the thing. Looking at the bronze serpent on the pole heals the venom in their bodies, but it doesn't heal their hearts, not, not fully. It doesn't fulfill them, it doesn't give them everything of God that we as human beings need. In fact, actually getting to the promised land doesn't actually fix everything for them. Just go read the book of Judges. It's nasty stuff that the people choose into in the promised land. And then God provides them a king anointed by God, Saul, then David, and that doesn't fix everything. But then, in an obscure village just outside of Jerusalem, not quite 1,500 years after this story, there's a baby who's born. Under questionable circumstances, the marriage is just a little bit on the iffy side, People start talking when they go up home to Galilee and he grows up in Nazareth. People like him all right, and he obviously has a unique relationship with God. But when Jesus of Nazareth begins his public ministry, he actually refers back to this story of the snake on the pole to explain a piece of who he is and what he has come to do. In a conversation in the Gospel of John in the third chapter, Jesus directly refers to this story and says that just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, and that's Jesus' way of referring to himself, so the Son of Man must be lifted up 
And that story in that encounter in John 3 and in a couple other places in the Gospel of John, Jesus in fact claims that when he is lifted up, it's by being lifted up that he will draw all humanity to himself. Now in Aramaic, there's a little bit of a double entendre here. Lifted up in the Aramaic language can refer to simply being honored. It's also a phrase that means crucified. But let's think one step further. What's happening there as Jesus is lifted up, simultaneously honored and crucified? Jesus is the divine Son of God, meaning he is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, hanging there on the cross, united to humanity, fully God and fully human, which means that as the divine Son of God is there lifted up on the cross, what we see lifted is the source of all our troubles. We ourselves. We ourselves, all the evil we have done and brought on others and on ourselves, we threw it on Jesus and he's right there. For us to see the source, an image of the source of, of all our problems. But there for us to look on and live. So if the thought of online school returning in a few weeks here is getting you down, congratulations, You're, you've got lots of company, including yours truly. But let's look to him, not just grumbling in some corner, let's cry out to him. If we're lonely and afraid over the pandemic or just distraught over our politics, cry out to him. If we're in economic need, cry out to him, the great provider. This word is true for us, just as it was for those folks back then. And the people who were hearing Jesus himself for the first time, it's as we turn and we look that we live. For God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. God sent his only begotten son. This is the verse that comes immediately after he references the snake in the wilderness. That God so loved the world that he gave his only unique son, that whoever would trust him, look to him, wouldn't die, but would live. That those who don't look are condemned already because they simply won't look. But to anyone who does, the gift is free. So why would we not? Amen.